0: Now listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast.
1: All right. Buddy, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. Week two of the preseason is in the books. Week three is on the docket. Patriots are in Las Vegas training with the Raiders right now. I am Alex Shane here with my good buddy Rich Hill to break down all things preseason, roster cuts, injuries, and all that good stuff. Rich, as the Patriots injuries already pile up, are you hurt? You feeling okay?
0: <laughs> I'm hurting from just what it feels like to watch preseason games. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is this. Is, I'm doing well. How are you doing? <laughs>
1: I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm just I'm at the point in the summer where I it's a very weird time for me because it's August 24th as of this taping. Labor Day's right around the corner, which means summer is almost pretty much over, which stinks in one respect, but on the second, on the other hand, as you said, I am just so ready for the regular season to start. And as much as I enjoy talking football and breaking it down with you, it's just very hard to maintain the level of enthusiasm for these games because by the end of them it's just they're getting kind of painful to watch
0: you know yeah totally I mean like especially when like the starters get a couple drives then you go for the second stringers for a little bit for the rest of like the half and then you're just going full on depth players for the entire half of the game it's hard to wake up for that Um, but you know uh, as far as games go this 20 to 10 snooze fest was just turnovers left and right two defensive scores uh your guy roberts uh picked up a touchdown in like the last minute of the game uh so I, i i wonder where he stands in the the roster depth chart but like i guess when you looked at this game did you have any like big picture takeaways
1: Big picture takeaways from a starters' perspective, uh, not so much. Obviously, Tyquan Thornton' injury is probably the biggest news coming out of that game. He came back in, which made me think initially it wasn't that big a deal. They're just keeping him safe for obvious reasons. But if the purports are true, it's a collarbone injury. He's out eight to ten weeks, which really stinks. It means he won't be back till probably late uh, October uh, at the earliest. Maybe they're wrong and he'll be back earlier, but it's really too bad because he showed some real promise, and this just gives so much fuel to the fire of oh, he's too skinny and. He can't hack it with the big guys. But in terms of the starters, that's that's pretty much all it will take away from. it. There really wasn't much to really show me. Uh, offensive line looked better, but, again, it's they're going up against the Carolina backups. So how much can we really take away from that? I think my biggest positive takeaway from the offensive side of the ball is the progression between Game 1 and Game 2 from uh, from Zappi. I thought Zappi looked a lot better than he did in the first game against the Giants. He had really slow start against the Giants. Besides that pick six, which is just a really just a bad decision, he looked down the receiver all the way, slow release, just a bad throw. Other than that, I think he looked pretty solid. So it gives me confidence he will definitely be developing swell into a third stringer in 2022 who will hopefully never see the field. So I guess that's a good takeaway.
0: The guy that's never going to see the field in 2022 looked better in two weeks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. And, like, I mean, other than that, pick six, that was just like hideous. You and know, I were talking before the, the podcast that not a single NFL quarterback in the entire league would have been able to complete that. So, like, it's not a physical limitation thing. Like, Matthew Stafford, whoever has the strongest arm in the league, they wouldn't have completed that. It was just a bad, bad, bad throw. Like, the wide receiver wasn't even, like, really trying. The defensive back hadn't moved. Like, they didn't bite on anything. They were just literally sitting on top of the out route, uh, or I guess there's you know, a hitch, whatever. Like, the run, wide receiver didn't even really run a route, but They were just sitting on the outside, and uh, yeah, the defensive back had no problem picking that off and taking it to the house, so other than that one, I did think that he looked pretty good. I mean, like, when it comes to, like, next year, uh, I could very well see him replacing Brian Hoyer, just because, you know, what is his upside? What are they presenting to you? What are their contract values? Like, he's showing enough through these couple of games that, you know what, like, I I don't think he's, like, blowing anyone's mind away, but would he be a fine backup? Probably. My my big takeaways uh or, or maybe where I wanna draw my attention to on the offense is kind of just uh who's playing where. And so like there was definitely some shortages on the offensive line, Trent Brown, Isaiah Wynn, uh, Yoni Kahuste, uh or sorry, Justin Heron didn't play. So Kahuste was playing left tackle, on Wenu was right tackle, and, and Ference was at right guard. Um but I thought it was interesting that you could kind of get a sense of how the depth chart is playing out based off of who and how is playing. And so, like, at this point in time, Cajuste, uh is likely the fourth tackle on the roster behind uh, Isaiah Wynn, who is a trade target right now, apparently, according to Evan Lazar uh, and some other reports that, uh, you know, people are discussing is Isaiah Wynn available. Uh, and then you have Heron, you have Trent Brown, like... Coussey is next one up, and James Ferrance is the top interior guy. And so you know who's doing what uh, on the offensive line, but what stood out is that Ty Montgomery got some time with the ones. Uh, he, he scored the team's, like, lone touchdown on offense. Uh, he was playing at running back, but he was playing up there with Mac Jones. And, like, the way that we kind of got a sense of what was going on is that, like, Mac Jones was, was playing, you know, Damian Harris, Devontae Parker. Uh, you have Jacoby Myers up there, Nelson Aguilar. Uh, We need to talk about what's going on with Kendrick Bourne, uh, who who did not play, uh, and who's definitely in the doghouse. Um, But the fact that Ty Montgomery was up there with him, I think, really helps solidify what his role might be with the team and getting a roster spot.
1: Yeah, I mean, he seems to have a roster spot locked up at this point, at least as much as one can at this point in the season. If he makes the team, I think it will be as a running back because that's probably with a little more room. You don't want to keep seven or eight receivers, which actually is a good segue, Rich, is talking about Kendrick Bourne. We're talking about Tyquan Thornton's injury, which I think he's a very prime candidate for the short-term IR. Can't see why that won't happen. And that maybe frees up a spot. Again, I don't think Kendrick Bourne's in any trouble of losing his job or anything like that, but there's going to be some, some room on the roster now at the receiver position that maybe there wasn't a couple of weeks ago, especially with Christian Wilkerson possibly concussed and who knows what his injury status is. The emergence of Lil Jordan Humphrey, who had a a pretty solid two weeks as a receiver, and in my opinion, the play of the game as a gunner on special teams, making that that diving swat out of the end zone onto the three- or four-yard line. So that is how you make your way onto the roster as a special teamer and a situational receiver. So I think unless something kind of wild happens over the next couple weeks, and maybe Tyquan Thorne's injury isn't as bad as we fear it is, I think little Jordan Humphrey is going to be on the final 53.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, he's earning his time on the field. Uh, I mean, Trey Nixon's also doing a pretty good job, but you add in what Humphrey's doing on special teams, uh, and I feel like he kind of brings an element to the offense that uh, that they don't currently have. Uh, I mean, obviously, like they're developing, and like we don't know who is going to be available uh but you know with with Lajordan Humphrey being you know six foot four two twenty five he gives us that like pseudo tight end size big body in the outside um that like we're kind of hoping that Trey Nixon will be. Uh, or sorry, that Devontae Parker will be. But when you look at Trey Nixon and what his size is, like, he there there are other receivers on the roster with his like build and skill set and like what he's able to do. And Humphrey gives them a kind of a different element. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he very clearly has a path onto the roster through special teams. And also uh, he's making the most of his opportunities on offense. He was just standing out, uh, five catches, 71 yards. He's racking up the production this preseason. So I, I think that he's doing – uh, what I think he needs to do in order to make the roster. And as you said, with Thornton, uh, w- with Christian Wilkerson missing time, there could be a spot available. I agree with you that Kendrick Bourne isn't at risk of losing his spot, but like he was easily the p- the team's best receiver last year. And for him to essentially just vanish uh, as he's been doing this preseason is a very big surprise to me. Like it- It's not what I had been hoping where it was like maybe he could be competing for starting time. It's very clearly he's in that second if not third tier of receiver in the coaching staff's eye because he was participating in fights in practice and like in training camp and like there was just brawls left and right against the Panthers and so like the team doesn't have that trust in him in the way that they can trust all of the other receivers where like for all of his shortcomings around Nelson Aguilar, he's not going to do that. <laughs> like he, He's going to maybe drop a pass here or there not be as like, good of an upside player as Kendrick Bourne, but uh, I think Aguilar's spot is as solidified as ever with uh, Thornton's injury and with the fact that he's very clearly running with the ones.
1: So, Rich, do you think that Kendrick Bourne is going to be maybe, if he continues, it's not so much a skill thing. They acknowledge his talent, but he's not really emerging as a locker room leader, that kind of guy that other receivers or position players would ever look to as like kind of a role model, the, the Patriot way. Everyone likes to bash all the time. And that may, in your opinion, affect
0: his starting role or playing time in the regular season? Yeah. I mean, like, it, it definitely is, like, right up Belichick's alley that if someone doesn't, uh, doesn't uh, play like doesn't play hard in practice. Makes those bad mistakes in practice. They're not going to be given the opportunity to make a bad mistake on the game. Uh, and so like it's very clear to me that you have your top three receivers of Myers, Aglor, and Devontae Parker. Uh, those are head and shoulders your your top three receivers. Very clearly, uh, they were giving Thornton some play up there. Like Bourne should be that number four, um, mm-hmm. and like he could be, but like. And like he's on a fairly team-friendly contract, so I don't think he's at risk of being traded or anything like that. But as little Jordan Humphrey continues to stand out and have that special teams value, there's a chance that, you know, if a team were to be like, what is the most valuable trade piece on the Patriots roster in the receiver room? It's likely Kendrick Bourne on that very team-friendly contract for multiple years. And if Jordan, if they think that, like, they can't trust him, and then you have enough players, you know, Montgomery can play outside a little bit, Uh, you know, Wilkerson will, will get healthy, and he does play well when he's given the opportunities and Thornton was standing out, that Bourne could be the odd man out.
1: Yeah, no, it's very possible. It's funny to think that, looking at twenty twenty one, when he was the most reliable guy out there, or one of the most reliable guys, and to go make that kind of demotion between one season and the other, it's definitely something to monitor. Especially with the receivers, especially with the back end receivers, really making a case for themselves, and that's going to be a very interesting uh, round of cuts. There's been no ex- exciting cuts or no unexpected cuts so far this so far Rich Hill. Uh, there's been our favorite linebacker, Ronnie Perkins, on IR again. So his season for the second year in a row is over before it really starts. Other than that, just a couple of cuts that no one really are, is surprised by. Are you worried at all, Rich, that we're going to start seeing some guys that maybe you and I are more confident about all of a sudden being one of those I mean, those pat- patented Belichick? Nobody saw this coming roster cuts. Or at this point, do you feel like we have a
0: pretty good idea with the roster shaking out? Yeah, I think we have a pretty good uh, idea there are some spots that are like a little bit deeper than expected uh not from like a wow, they're so good, but also just like there's kind of a log jam and maybe the veteran isn't as like isn't noteworthily better than the young guy, so they could just go with the young guy and I'm like looking on the defensive line where it's like I think Lawrence Guy is fantastic and he's been such a crucial part of this team but like when you're building that final roster has like Ray or Roberts or like Mitchell had some plays out there and so did Farms like are these players that you're like you know what we can get by with these ones and like they're more affordable than Lawrence Guy and they give you more long-term upside like we're going to have to move on from Guy at some point he's getting up there in age so like that's one position that I'm kind of looking at and then like at the cornerback position I feel like we're pretty solid uh with like understanding who are the top cornerbacks but there's like a lot of them like someone that of the caliber of like Miles Bryant or you know even Sean Wade who had that nice interception might not make the roster but like do you take one of them over Terrence Mitchell or like what happens with uh you know, the injury injured reserve sort of situation. Like, will everyone be available? Do you just hold on to people as much as possible? So I, I do think that there will be some players that are at risk of losing their spot. Um, but, you know, you mentioned uh, some of the players that did get cut. Dalton Keene uh, was released. Uh, so the tight end position is a little bit more solidified. Asi Asi, uh, very clearly that number three tight end. Um, although Matt Salkal is given some opportunities as well. But I, I think you, we have our top three for our tight ends, um, the Patriots have also released defensive backs Devin Hafford and Jalen Elliott. Uh, and then Andrew Stuber, uh, the offensive line one was moved to the, the injured reserve as well. Um, so I, I think that there could, will be some more positions that are like similar caliber that people get lost. Um, But, like, there's only a couple positions where I'm like, oh, no, no, like, the top nine of the offensive linemen are pretty well set. Uh, Or, you know, like, we can feel pretty comfortable that Josh Hammond is not going to make the roster at wide receiver. Um, But I I think there's either it's cut and dry or it's uh, totally unknown.
1: Yeah, man, I think one area is totally unknown. Maybe not totally unknown, but in terms of just the overall depth. And, again, we've been talking about this pretty much all off season in terms of what they're going to do and how it's going to shake out. And not a whole lot was was shown to me beyond uh, some very good things, which was the linebacker core on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Juwan Bentley seems to be the guy. He has the helmet, I mean the green dot on it. I think even when Hightower comes back, that's right. I said when Hightower comes back, (laughs) I think he should still be the guy because Hightower is on the wrong side of 30. I'd like to see Bentley kind of develop as that that captain of the linebacking core. I think Josh Uche is really coming into his own. I I really hope this could be the year he finally breaks out. I'm going to eat those words most likely come like mid-September when he goes on IR or they trade him or whatever. But I think there are a lot of guys that just such high upside and they have really great potential to have a ridiculously good linebacking core. But at the same time, I can definitely see a scenario where the linebacking core becomes kind of the weakest part of the entire defense. And at this point, I'm not sure where it's going to go.
0: Yeah, totally agreed. I mean, like, we, we also kind of get a sense of who are the top guys at that position. And, like, honestly, when I was watching them – I feel like they're going to be fine. Uh you like especially with like how the Patriots play their defense, you know, Adrian Phillips is essentially going to be a linebacker for them. Uh and then uh Peppers is another guy that like will get a lot of play at that linebacker safety spot. So like, we're only looking for six players to be on the defensive front. And you have pretty good quality of depth, like obviously Barmore Uh, and Godshaw are locks at that defensive line spot, but we were talking like there's some pretty quality depth at that other defensive tackle, defensive end spot, you know, put on Lawrence Guy. I think that he deserves to be a starter, he's good, but like You have Farms, you have Mitchell, uh, you you know, add in Wise there on the edge as well, but then, like, you only really need three linebackers, and I'm including Judon in this, even though he's an edge guy, and, like, really, you just need two guys to be fine, Uh, Mm -hmm. and, like, if you want to have a third one for depth reasons, then that's great, and, like... Bentley was great. <laughs> I like I I've I've had a lot of confidence in Bentley and I think that he's gonna take another step forward this year. Uche has been playing very, very well. Uh and, and like you have uh Raekwon McMillan who's like solid. You know, he's gonna take that thumper role that they've had. Uh and then you add in Mac Wilson. These are four guys that like or five if you want to include in Judon. Uh add in Anthony Jennings, who who was with the starters and was getting a lot of time and was also playing well. I think that like this is not going to be the weakest part of the roster. And, like, there's, like, not a top of the NFL caliber player. Like, there's not a high... Like, Hightower in his prime was a top five linebacker in the league. They don't have that right now, and I've always said that the defense is as good as the linebackers. But they're not going to hit the bottom. You know, in some years past where, like, if Hightower or Jamie Collins or Gerard Mayo, like, if one of them suffered an injury, they were trotting out, like, Tracy White or some, like, special teamer at that position to play linebacker. I feel like they're rolling deeper, but they're not as strong as in the past. So, like, one injury won't derail the position because they're not coming from such a height. But I don't think that this is going to be a problem of the roster.
1: Credit to Gerard Mayo for that, speaking of Gerard Mayo. Everybody who's talk, who talked, been talked to about Gerard Mayo as a coach say he's like the best coach I've ever had. He's so smart, so I'm really excited to see him back with the the Patriots coaching staff. He's a head coach in training, just a matter of time, so let's enjoy him while we still have him. Uh, Rich Hill, unless you want to talk anything else that happened on the Panthers game or any particular players, I think we should probably switch and preview this crucial Week 3 matchup between the Las Vegas Raiders and the Patriots, a.k.a. I guess the Patriots West? because um, the Texans of the Patriots South and the, Patri- the Patriots East, the field of McDaniels brought a lot of players over from the Patriots to the Raiders as his new head coaching gig. The Raiders, like the rest of the AFC West, are pretty stacked. They have the one of the best receivers, if not the best receiver in the league in Devontae Adams. They've got a probably top 10 quarterback. They seem poised to do good things, but again, they're in such a ridiculous division and I'm not sure if you read the reports and how much to take away from the reports, but, these first couple of days of practice, it would appear that the Pats are getting smacked up and down the field.
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, like, this this week will reveal nothing if not just, like, does this secondary of the Patriots have a chance with Jalen Mills as the top cornerback? Um, and it's, like, it's hard to learn a lot from one-on-one sort of competition where, like, Devontae Adams is the best wide receiver in the league and the best route runner. So, like... there's maybe like five cornerbacks in the league that just won't get toasted every single one-on-one against him but like the patriots are never going to match up against adams one-on-one because that would just be foolish and so like you're going to have safety help over the top and so it's i'm not going to take too much away from the fact that like yes the raiders have been taking them to to work like time and time again during practice but like I think that this game will be very revealing uh, in a way that, as you said, this is the, the best caliber team that they'll have faced this preseason. Uh, there is a level of familiarity due to McDaniels um, and also like some of the players, like you can just go up and down the roster. You got old friend Jarrett Stidham, Brad Bolden, Jakob Johnson, uh, Isaiah Suber uh, at wide receiver, Jacob Hollister at tight end, uh, Jermaine Luminor on the offensive line. Uh, th- th- that's just the offense. You have to Bauer on the defense, uh, Chandler Jones on the defense as well, also on the defensive line. Um, and that there's probably like one or two others that like, oh, Daron Harmon in the secondary. I'm just going through this right now. Left and right, there are players that the Patriots are familiar with. Uh, there's a level of familiarity there. Also like the offensive scheme with McDaniels. So like the team will know what is likely coming from what they need to prepare for. Uh, And so this will be a great test. Uh, And so I think the test for the Patriots secondary will be huge. Uh, And like, this is not like the best defense that they'll face, but like, I would like to see the Patriots offensive line play its actual unit um, and not continue to have the carousel that they've had. Um, And this will be, you know, Mac Jones has played like three drives this preseason. So like, How much opportunity will he get in this final preseason game Uh, remains to be seen because typically the last preseason game is for all of the back end of the roster people. So, like, what will we be able to take away from this game? Uh, I'm not sure because three preseason games is uh, pretty—I feel like teams are still figuring out what that means.
1: No, totally. Again, I think the real big question—usually this is the week three game of the preseason. Traditionally, the starters have played at least the first half, sometimes a drive or two in the third quarter— but I don't know if this is going to be week three of the preseason as it always has been, or is this now like the new week four of the preseason where nobody starts? So I really don't know. I'm really hoping Again, I've been asking to see the entire offensive line out there as a unit from day one. I haven't officially gotten that yet. We see starters plugged in play at different positions, but not the actual unit. That is the most important unit in terms of cohesion and all being on the same page. You're right. Not the best defense. And again, everyone gives vanilla looks unless you're the Giants and you want to blitz every down. But usually the preseason is vanilla looks. Nothing too crazy. No major schemes. No one actually planning or game planning for a specific opponent. Uh, It's really just a matter of of can the offense and the defense that matter kind of gain some momentum, have a good solid game on the road after a week of practice in which they're not exactly getting their confidence built boosted in any capacity and can they show that this last game before that actually matters will be not a, a a massive kind of like we need this to have happen but i feel like getting a a good performance and some nice plays and a nice confidence boost will bode well coming to that dolphins game
0: yeah no totally and uh we'll see uh how this game plays out but alec i think it's time for predictions
1: All right, let's do this. It is me again, because I had the Patriots beating the Panthers. So I will sit here and make my prediction. Uh, Despite the fact that the Raiders, I think the Raiders are on paper at least a better team than the Patriots in 2022. And the, the fact that the Raiders are doing well in practices, I still say the Patriots win this game because... May as well go out with a bang with my preseason predictions. I think it's going to be a rapidly high-scoring game, but when and the, maybe the the Raiders starters are winning when everyone takes a seat in the second half or so. But I think the Patriots backups will take out the Raiders backups and get a last-minute kind of late score and win this one something along the lines of twenty-two to eighteen. You
0: think that's what the, the Raiders are going to win this one? The Patriots. Oh, the Patriots! Well, I'll I'll take the Raiders on this one. Um. Just to make it as as easy as possible, and I hope I go o for three in the preseason, so I, <laughs> I, I run the table during the regular season against you um so yeah, I mean like i I think that uh you know maybe we'll see a little bit of zappy out there he'll he'll do some things that are pretty good but you know I, I, this is a, a big revenge game for the Raiders. It's You're, you're really underselling that and uh, you know Jarrett Stidham is going to show that the Patriots made a mistake going with this guy named uh, McCorkle Jones instead of Jarrett Stidham <laughs> uh, and so Stidham will, will throw a, a swing pass to Brandon Bolden uh, who, who will lateral it to Isaiah Zuber uh, for a game winning score in the, in the the fourth quarter uh, and I think the Raiders are going to take this one something like uh, 106 to, to 93.
1: 106 to 93 records being set left and right here, Rich. Wow. Hey, as long as Jared Stidham doesn't do like a keeper option for 92 yards and fake out the entire Patriots defensive line, the way he did against I think of the giants a couple preseasons <laughs> ago, where like half the guys got fired after that game. I'll be happy with it. Obviously that's a joke of a pick rich, but that's all right. It's a joke of a joke of a preseason. So it doesn't really matter. I've got it locked in. So I like my chances in this one. Although I technically, if the Raiders win, you get the nod no matter what. So these <laughs> scores are fine. <probably> yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I know I forgot. Jacob Johnson's going to get that that game winning block there. But yeah, we'll we'll watch out how this plays out. Um, I'm excited for the regular season to actually be here. Uh, yeah. Game Patriots Raiders Friday night August 26th 8:15 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, Alec, until next time. You have a good one.
1: You too, buddy. See ya.